What a great time of worship. Thank you, Michael, worship team. Absolutely amazing. I'm excited this morning about this message. I'm, 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 I'm going to start by saying how proud I am of this church. I, did, I love this church. This is an amazing group of people. Uh, I don't know that I've ever been around a group of people who love the Lord like you guys do. And uh, it's a privilege uh, to serve you guys. And, and so I'm, I'm going to, um, uh, as, we, as we open and as we get into what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about in the church today, where's the power? We, we're going to kind of hit that. I read a book by Alan Didio, I think is how he pronounces his last name. Uh, we'll, we'll have a few copies around here soon. But uh, basically, he, was, he had that conversation, and, um, and it was right in line with, with, with what I was kind of going to teach today. And so I just went ahead and titled the message, Where's the Power? Because I, I love that thought. You know, here at Eastside, we have so many people for so many different denominations that you have all kinds of views and thoughts about, you know, uh, how to follow God. And, you know, as I talked to people, I did a funeral yesterday in Asheville, and as I talked to this group of people, I, I, I heard their church history. And, um, and it's just it's interesting where people come from and how they develop what they believe about God, and, and it's different. Well, here at Eastside, we have some essentials. You know, Jesus is the only way. You're not getting in without Jesus. You know, there, there are some essentials that we have in there. There's non-essentials. So we can, we can look at things differently and understand that we can, we can still love God equally, although um, uh, we've got this, you know, what we believe, you know, etched out on our webpage and all those things about certain scriptures and how God responds. But our main motivation around here is to help you learn how to follow God. You know, we, we, we don't want to do a great show even though we want excellence, don't we, Michael? We want excellence. We want excellence in everything we do. But what we want is we want to actually teach you how to really follow God. And so we've been talking a lot about the Word, and it's incredibly important. We're going to continue with that as well today. But um, I, I kind of want to get into the idea of where's the power. And some of the misunderstandings about, you know, what, what is the power and what's the power for. And, 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 so, and so let's just go back to the beginning. We'll start in Genesis, and I promise I'm not going to go all the way to Revelation, but I do have a lot of Scripture this morning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish of the seas, giving us authority, the birds of the air, sky, livestock, all that stuff, all the animals on the earth, small animals, big animals, all the kinds that scurry on the ground, all that stuff. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, both male and female, he created them. And so we know that God created us in his image, and then we know, of course, the fall happens, and, and there, there is the... And this is what you need to gather as you learn how to follow God. There is always consequences to what you do. It doesn't matter whether you're a son or daughter of God or whether you're an unbeliever. It, you're still going to have consequences to what you do. You know, it bears fruit. What you do bears fruit. And, and, and there's this process that God is working in you to, to, to bring you to a place of healing and health. 
And, and he did that with the cross. He did that with the cross. He, he, he sends Jesus to the cross. And, and, then, and then Jesus, after his resurrection, he gives us some more stuff. He gives it to us in Acts chapter 1, verse 6 and 8. He says this, when they had come together, they asked him, said, Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? You know, by the way, I was listening to a, to a, a, a Jewish worship leader named Marty Getz yesterday, and he was, singing, he was singing the scripture. And as he sung the scriptures, you saw the love of God for Israel. So don't you ever take for granted God's love for Israel. He will never stop loving Israel. The Gentiles, remember, are grafted in. <laughs> I don't want to ever lose sight of that here. God, God loves, loves that. But he's, he, the answer, Jesus says, is really, no. Nah. Are, are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or seasons. Say that to somebody. It's not for you to know the times or seasons. You need to take that to the house. You do. You do. Because we want to know. You know, we won't understand it. We don't know. And Jesus says, it ain't for you to know. It's not for you to know. Same thing with Peter. Last week, as we talked about Peter's death, <laughs> it doesn't matter what I do with John. You just follow me. You don't need to know. It's not about that. It's not about you. It's about me. Follow me. So it's not, uh, you don't know the times or the season. The Father's fixed in his own authority, but but, everybody say, but. but, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses, Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the, the earth. And, and, and so Jesus says, says listen, you, you go wait. You go wait. Now, I've died on the cross. I've, I've paid the price for sin. I've shed blood. Sin has been redeemed. It's been paid for. Done deal. Never to be done again. You no longer have to bring a sacrifice. You no longer have to, to, to bring a lamb or, a, or an ox or anything or a dove. Or, there's no longer a need for sacrifice. I've done that. But, and, go wait for the promise. The promise of the Holy Spirit. In Joel chapter 2, and Peter talks about it in Acts chapter 2. I mean, in Joel, and in Acts chapter 2, Peter talks about what Joel said, and that is, he'll pour out his spirit on all flesh. There was an understanding in the prophets and the kings. They were anointed by the Holy Spirit, and they had insight and revelation that was given them by the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament. But here we find Jesus saying there's going to be power. And, and so there's this, I think, a tremendous misunderstanding of why Jesus came in the church and our culture today. And I've said it before, and I want to kind of revisit that before I get to the main point at the end of the message today. But that is that Jesus didn't come just to save you from hell. Jesus didn't come just so you would be in the crowd of people who actually are raptured into the kingdom. You know, I, I was at Monday night prayer the other night, and one of the, one of the uh, gals prayed. She said, God, I, I pray, I pray for this individual, this friend, this rela relative, or whatever it was for her. She said, I pray that she would bow to you before 
she sees you. I thought, oh, that's a great prayer. Because every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But some will have to turn and be condemned with the angels that also rejected Christ. It's in Scripture. So, so he says, he says this is power to save you. He came to save us from all power of sin. That's what he saved you and I from, the power of sin. And he says, listen, the law didn't have the ability to keep you from sinning, but I'm sending power so that you can have victory. When you're weak, you're going to be made strong. When, when, when I begin to live in you, you're going to, to be restored back to the place where you can be an image of the Father. And so, and so that's why when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was opened, and you have access to God the Father. That's why Jesus died. Jesus died to give you access. He says, you can come boldly to the throne of grace. What's that? Well, the throne of, gra the throne of grace is the, 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 the place of, of God's Spirit giving you power to be successful to do what He says. It's to give you the ability to actually be obedient. You're, you're powerless unless you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit until, the, until you have the promise. And see, what we do in Christendom is we have all these denominational thoughts about what this is supposed to look like. And I kind of want to just go, whoosh. you know, I come from a traditional background, so I, I know what's been taught, but I also know that I didn't have a clue what was going on, and the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I had to figure out what happened. And so I don't need a man in his intellectual capacity telling me about the relationship that I can have with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What I have to do is see what the Bible says about a person who comes into relationship with God the way he intended from the beginning. In Genesis. And then I got to walk with him. It's not about this intellectual exercise of theology. It's about do I really represent? Where's the power? You see, the power isn't, man, let me know. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I was about to. It was coming. Could y'all hear it? You'd feel it, couldn't you? <laughs> I'm stopping. He wants us to be restored to relationship with the Father so that we can be in His image, we can be like Him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10, Paul writes this, Brandon, that that is what the Scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. But it was to us that God revealed these things by the Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. You know, you're never, ever going to get to the place where you understand in, in full on this earth the magnificent glory of the Lord. You can never stop learning about your God. It's impossible to do. And, and so there's, there's this relationship with the Holy Spirit that helps us to, 
to, to learn and get revelation about our God. And so where is the power in the church? Where's the power in your life? Where's it come from? Maybe you have a testimony of God's power in your life and, 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 and how, how things changed when you got saved. I mean, you once did this and, 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 the, and then all of a sudden you didn't do that. Maybe you were free from addiction. There are so many different awesome testimonies about the grace of God in this place. But His grace hasn't stopped working in your life. He hasn't stopped making you into the image of the Father because that's what the power is for. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is so that, is so that you can become like the Father. In John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus writes, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. You know I use this scripture all the time when I talk about this. For if I do not go away, the Helper... The Holy Spirit will not come to you. That's a capital H. But if I go, I will send him to you. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. Say that. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He'll give you insight. Uh, even about the future. He will glorify me, Jesus says, for he will take what is mine and he will reveal it to you. He'll declare it to you. Who does this? The Holy Spirit. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I say that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. He, he, that's his job. He, he is, he's to do that. And you've got to understand about yourself that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit now. You're the temple. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, you do not know that you are God's temple. Do you not know that you're God's temple? Say that with me. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? You're the house of God. This is collectively the house of God. Individually, you're the house of God. The Holy Spirit lives in you. I love what we were singing prophetically just a minute ago, Kelly, when you said it's just about surrender. Oftentimes I think that is the key ingredient to really being filled with the Holy Spirit. Is it that you just surrender? You see, see, there's this, this mindset and and traditions of men that, that once you once you mutter these words, you've got all the Holy Spirit that you ever need. And that's just that's just poppycock. That's intellectual false gospel. I, I, I still need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I need to be filled and filled and filled and filled. Ask Liz. I'm serious. She says about her husband, he's an awesome man. He gets the word. He amazes me with the word when it comes out of him. When he's walking in the Spirit, when he's in the flesh, when, when, when life, he's, he's a mess. Yeah? Oh, your wife says this thing, I don't anything about you. <laughs> but when you're in the spirit, you're different. You, you emulate the Father, and, and we need to be filled and refilled and refilled. We need to surrender and continue to surrender our way to the Lord. And if you don't, 
You're going to find yourself bearing fruit that doesn't look like kingdom. Are you saved? Yes. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Yes. But you need to be filled so that you can have power. You go wait. You, you wait, and there's power coming. You see, what we, what we un, don't, don't, don't get oftentimes in traditions of men is this. We say, well, when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, there's evidence of speaking in tongues. You hear that all the time. Now, one of the things that you hear around here all the time is people praying in the Spirit. They're praying in tongues, and there's prophecies going forth. There's all that stuff happening in our body. And, but the thing about it, God, God did not send His Spirit so you could pray in tongues. He didn't. He sent His Spirit so you could have the power to look like Him. When you look like Him, you bear fruit. And that fruit is spiritual gifts because He's a miraculous God. He works miracles all the time. That's who he is. You start looking like him, you start doing like him. Amen. Right? Now, I believe that every believer that's filled with the Holy Spirit can operate in every spiritual gift. You know why? Because it's not your gift. It's the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God that lives in you because you're the temple of God, and He can call up any gift necessary. Why? Because He's God. He's just looking for a vessel that He can use to carry out kingdom. It's that simple. We make it so hard. We make it so hard, but it's about being transformed into the image of the Father. Same thing with fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is not your fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is evidence that you've surrendered to God. Because it's the fruit of the Spirit. Now listen to me. If you're walking in the Spirit, you have every fruit. Why? Because it's not your fruit. It's the fruit of the evidence of your surrender to the Spirit. And if you think that God says, God says, listen, you know, well, you know, this man, this and this and this and this has to happen. You've got to, God doesn't do it that way. I guarantee you, we put 10 people up here and say, tell me about your baptism in the Holy Spirit. And none of them went in the same order. Some people got baptized in the Holy Spirit the same time they got saved, and they had no idea about either one until it happened. And then they went, oh. But some people grew up in Pentecostal churches, and, and their mom and daddy were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they, da, 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 da. you know, you go through the whole litany of, of, of heritage, and you find a whole different story. Because God can't be put in a box. He just cannot be put in a box. So what's important? The important thing is grace has come to you. Great grace has come to you. The power of God living in you that gives you the ability to look like the Father. To look like Him. Fruit is just fruit. 
<laughs> the goal is not spiritual gifts. The goal is not fruit of the Spirit. The goal is relationship with the Father so that you bear His image. His image is the fruit. It is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. His image is the miraculous. His image is peace. His image is there is no lack. God has no lack. He has no lack. His image is joy, the fullness of joy. In him there's strength. In him there's wisdom. In him there's love. Matter of fact, God is love. Do you know that God cannot not be love? I mean, he's love. See, here's the deal with Christian. Where's the power? The power is you got a bunch of needy people who need love. Oh, I need love. Oh, I want to be loved. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if, you're, if you understand that you're the image of God, if you have intimate relationship with God, you're not going to need love. You're going to be love. You're not going to be needy. God's not needy for love. He is love. And he created you to be love. This is what he says in Romans 13. He says, if you love your brother, you've kept all the commandments. What? If you learn how to love like God loves, if you learn how to agape, which is the love that comes from God, you keep all the commandments. Why? Because you know how to love. You're not needy. You prosper as your soul prospers. You're in a place where you know you're God. And you're emulating. That's, that's what it says. That's what it says. It says, as Jesus was in John, as Jesus was, so you'll be in this world. You know what we think about? Oh, the miraculous. No. Just think about being the image of the Father, and all these things will be added unto you. You won't need anything else. It's important that you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's important that baptism means to be overflowing with, with God. Totally submerged in who he is. That's what baptism means. And in that submersion, you become like him. And when you become like him, you bear fruit and operate in spiritual gifts and love like he loves So when we fear the Lord, we, we have this understanding that we can't do anything without him. And, and, and there is a revelation of God that comes to us by the Spirit of God from his word. And that's, and that's why God says, you, you got to get it, you know, I'm, I'm back, I'm coming back. I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I'm not quitting until until we know that we have to have God's daily bread, all of us. If there's one that's lagging, I'm going to keep preaching. But you can't not have the daily bread. You can't not know who your God is. You, you've got to discover him. It's this word. Jesus said, this is what the Holy Spirit's going to do in you. You're going to have great grace to be successful. But, but you've got to know what I say. What he's going to do, he's going to teach you what I said. He's going to give you recall so that when you're facing life's challenges, the Holy Spirit goes, you remember what you read? You remember that? 
You might not remember it for seven weeks. You know, you read it seven weeks ago. You don't remember what you had for breakfast three days ago, you know. You not, might not remember that word, but when you need it, the Holy Spirit's going to say to you, you remember? Remember what Jesus said? Somebody asked me the other day, said, man, you, you know, you're more mature than I am. I said, I, you know, what, what, what may, might be the difference between me and you is this. I have the same emotions. I have the same doubts. I, I have the same thoughts. The enemy attacks me the same way. There's nothing different under the sun. I just know the word of God. And when a lie comes to me, I can identify the lie because I know the truth. And I can say, I can say, thought, emotion, whatever, fiery dart of the enemy, that's a lie. The word of God says, boom, Holy Spirit gives me the truth. I stand on the truth. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter how I think. Because I know the word. And I believe it. And I don't trust myself. I don't trust how I feel. I don't trust my thinking. And certainly Liz don't trust my thinking. Right? Only when she knows it aligns with the word. And then she can go, oh, peace. It's true, isn't it? It's true. Boy, I hope Alex is walking in the Word today. I bet your wife and your husband are saying the same thing. I hope, I hope they walk in the Spirit today. I hope, you know, we, we call it, I hope they don't walk, wake up on the wrong side of the bed. I didn't know God had a wrong side of the bed. I didn't understand that the Spirit had a wrong side of the bed. You're walking in the spirit or the flesh. You're walking in the culture that you grew up in or the culture of the kingdom. And the only way you do it is grace. The power of God that was promised to those disciples and to all generations, therefore, to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that they can be in relationship with the Father so stuff could be revealed to them so that they could bear the image of God. To the world. What happened to the power in the church? Let me, let me just tell you how powerful this is. Fearing God, again, is understanding that you can do nothing without Him. And that revelation comes from His Word. Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 18. Y'all can tell I'm studying Deuteronomy because I'm in it like crazy, but I'm, I'm referencing it to New Testament stuff as well. But this is a beautiful picture. I mean, I love this kind of stuff because this is Moses, right? Moses still haven't passed the torch to Joshua. Moses is still hanging around. And, and, and this word comes to them in that city. They haven't crossed over into the land of promise. By the way, by the way, when they do cross into the land of promise in Deuteronomy, I, I just want to say this in regards to this following God and walking in grace, which is the power of God that does more than you can do on your own. Is it God said, he's, this is what he said, he said, he said, now when you cross over into the promised land, you're going you're to get some victories. You're going to conquer this. You're going to conquer that. You're going to get, you know, you're going to you know, take this ground back. But, but, but don't think you did it. Because if you do, you're going you're gonna to drift from me. And the only way that you're going to take all the promises that I promised you is that you be careful and do all that I've asked you to do. 
He even says that the promises of Israel are determined based on how well they perform the promises of God, that how much they submit themselves to what God has said. And the same is true today. I'm going to point this out to you, and I want you to understand that God says about the church, hey, you can come underneath the saving knowledge of Christ and save yourself from hell. That is a possibility without walking in the fullness that God wants you to walk in. But who wants to live life defeated and in prison? When God wants to set you free and let you live life and give it to you abundantly, let you have victory after victory after victory, and that doesn't mean you live this clean life with no problems. That means that when you're in the midst of problems, you have a God who wants to deliver you out of them, give you revelation of who he is so that you come more and more like him. And in, in Hebrews chapter 12, when it talks about the fathers of the faith, it says this about them. It says there's a great cloud of witnesses that when, when hard stuff happens to you are watching and seeing how you respond to God as he grows you up. And they experience the same thing. They're looking to God, the author and the finisher of their faith, and they want to make sure that you're doing the same thing. That's what that whole passage of Scripture is about. The, the opportunity for you and me to respond to God the way he desires. Look at what it says here. It's talking about, now this is interesting because, you know, there is no king. I mean, there's not even a judge yet. If you know anything, Israel's, you know, gets set free. Uh, they, they, they head toward the promised land. They, they get established a little bit in the promised land. And then God establishes judges to help them rule and bring a spiritual climate to the place. And they're not satisfied with that. And so they ask for kings. That's why you've got judges, 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. That's why you've got all that there. It's the history of how all that happened, including the end of Joshua as well. So Deuteronomy, Joshua, 1 and 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles gives you a history of all that. But it was, it was Israel, it was the church that said, we want this. Now, God is right here in Deuteronomy, before they cross over the river, before Joshua gets the reign of the, the, the helm, Moses has still got it. He says this. He says, when he sits on the throne as king, <laughs> he says to the people of Israel, since I started down that road, when you want a king like the rest of the world, here, 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 is, here are some qualifications for that king. They don't even know that they're going to want a king. Not only that, but this very much looks like he's talking about Solomon. He's, he's kind of referencing Solomon a little bit, this, this coming, which would be after David and after Saul. He says, when he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. I love this, man. And this is, this is the father. He said, this is what I want you to do. When, when you want a king, and when we, we pick him out, and I'm going to, God says, I'm going to be the one who picks him out. And when we do that, this is what I want you to make sure he does. He gets a copy of the word of God from the priest, and he writes it down himself. Then he writes it down himself. And look what it says. He must always keep that copy with him and read it. How often? How long? As long as he lives. Why? That that way he will learn to fear the Lord his God. Come on. 
You have no ability to fear the Lord like you need to, lest you read the word on a daily basis. You've got to make this part of your diet. You've got to, it's got to be who you are. You've got to love God and desire to know him in such a way to fear him like he, he, he wants you to. That, that doesn't mean that, doesn't mean that you're, just, you know, you're just trembling, which it does mean. It means that you understand that you can do nothing without him. You come to the, you're sober-minded of your frailness and your need for God. That you will fear the Lord, his, your God, and obey all the terms of those instructions and decrees. This, this regular reading will prevent the king from becoming proud <laughs> and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. And it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations. Has everything to do with your offspring. Well, my kids aren't now. No, 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 no. Well, how are you doing? What are you doing? How are, how are you pursuing God? Are, are you daily reading his words so that you fear him the way he wants? This happened with Moses, Joshua, the prophets, David, Gideon was looking for the power that was in the book. Jesus, Peter, Paul, Stephen. All these people had to learn to, to follow God. Why are we different? We're not, are we? And Jesus said, different than them, and that they understood all this stuff. He said, for you, you're going to have an advantage. It's to your advantage, Jesus said. I'm going to fill you with the Spirit, you temple of God. So that you can know what Jesus said and respond and have the power. When you're weak, he's strong. Jesus didn't die so you, just so you won't go to hell. He died so you could live. He died so you could prosper. He died so you could, that you could have victory. Even when things don't look good. 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 says this. He who says he abides in him. Let's read this together. This is too good not to read together. He who says Jesus abides in me ought himself also to walk just as Jesus walked. It's, a, it's about the image that we were created in. This is my favorite part. I said, that was the introduction. <laughs> this, is the, this is the message right here. You ready? This is Jesus. Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. Jesus says this. All things, say that with me. Have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then he says, he says the same thing that's said in Deuteronomy. Come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I teach you, I teach you all the time that Jesus, the Father, says, you do this, I'll do this. 
I, I really, you, you got to get it. You got to get it right here. You got to get it right here. You do this, and I'll do this. See, what we do is we pray, God, do this. God, do this. God, do this. And God is sitting back saying, you do this, and I'll do this. If you'll if you respond this way, I'll do this. It'll bear fruit. You do this, I'll do this. And all we got to do is just make a decision that we, we love him. And then we, we want to submit to kingdom. We want kingdom. That's all we got to do. God, I want kingdom. I want it to happen in my life. I want to quit resisting. I want to quit ignoring. I want to, I want to quit feeling sorry for myself. I, I, actually, I actually believe that there's power that is in me that I can have victory if I'll just quit resisting. And so he says, number one, in verse 28, you need to see it. Verse 28, we got that, Lee? No, that's 29, there it is. The first thing you have to do, he says, he says what? Come to me. That's you. And he says, all you labor in heaven, is that you? Yeah, that's me. And what will he do? What do you got to do? And he'll give you rest. What do you got to do? Come to him. All right, let's go on. Take. What do you got to do next? You got to come. You got to take his yoke. You got you to say, hey, I'm going to follow you. Going back to Deuteronomy, we just had a few weeks ago. I, 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 wanna, I want your way. I want to do things your way. I'm going to take on your yoke, God. He says, take my yoke. Take how I think. Take what I do. Take the revelation I give you and I reveal to you. Take that upon you and learn from me. What do he say about the king? He said, the king, he wants the king. Get in my word. What? So you can learn to fear me. You got to learn. You're not there. I'm not there. We're not there. We have revelation from God as the Spirit reveals it in our struggles. And there's a great cloud of witnesses watching us to see how we respond to the promises of God. They're saying to us, look. They've got opportunity to walk in the Spirit. Look, let's, let's see the power of God bring glory to that situation, no matter how hard, as they, as they come to Jesus and as they take the yoke. Let's keep going. Let's go back to take the yoke. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find Rest for your mind, your will, and your emotions. You'll find rest for your souls, and you will prosper as your soul prospers. Now, here's the hard part. This is the hard part. He didn't make you. He didn't make you. The promises don't come true just because you acknowledge God. The promises come, come true. The, the promises are revealed as you come to him, as you take his yoke, as you learn from him. 
He'll walk you through, and you'll begin to see the promises begin to accumulate in your life. And it doesn't look like anybody else. And Jeremiah, and I did this from the New Living. I, I almost wish I could have, I, I as a matter of fact, I'll go to Jeremiah chapter 6, maybe. We'll get it in New King James just so I can give you something else. It says this, this is what the Lord says. You want to know the Lord's will for you? Stop at the crossroads and look around. Ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Nothing's changed, y'all. Nothing's changed. Travel its path, take on his yoke, and you will find rest for your souls. It's Jeremiah. Come on. It's Old Testament. But the church replied, no, that's not the road we want to take. You don't necessarily have to say that with your voice. An absence of doing is saying it. Let me read it here. Thus says the Lord, stand in the ways of God and see and ask for the old paths where the good way is and walk in that. Then you will find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not do it. So there's, a, there's an opportunity for you and me every day, not only to get in the Word of God, but to recognize that we're the temple of the Holy Spirit and that the, and that the Spirit of God doesn't have a bad day. The Spirit of God leads you into righteousness. And there's a dependence on, on God. There's a trust. There's a fear of the Lord that says, I can't do this day without God. Nor do I want to because it won't be good. Because no matter whether God leads me by his spirit with revelation of the word and I walk in kingdom or I wake up in the morning and I don't invite God into anything and I begin to do the day in the flesh, it will bear fruit. It'll bear fruit. It's going to reap something. What do you want to reap? And God says to me and you, I want you to reap kingdom. I want you to reap my image and my likeness. That's why I opened up the Holy of Holies and said you can come boldly to the throne of grace where you'll find help in your time of need. I hope you're challenged. I'm challenged to continue my growth in the Lord. I'm challenged to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. I'm challenged that the fruit of the Spirit would manifest because the Spirit of God is creating in me the image of the Father. 
I'm excited about the miraculous. I'm excited about tongues and interpretation of tongues. I want to pray in the Spirit more than you all, but I want to do it because I'm praying the will of God because I have submitted myself to the Spirit of God. And that's what Romans chapter 8 says. I want all those things to manifest because I love God with all my heart and all my soul. And I know that if I learn how to agape, if I learn how to love my brothers like God loves, that I've kept every commandment. Lord, I pray that I don't need love. I pray that I am loved. I pray that I know you so well that I've invited you into my life to such a degree that I can love like you love. And that way, I keep all my commandments. That's why Jesus said it this way. I'm nine minutes over. That's why Jesus said it this way. He said, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, right? And love your neighbor as yourself, and you've kept all the commandments. Every other commandment hinges on those two. You can't do it without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it without the great grace of God operating in your life. So I pray that you have a passion to love God, seek first the kingdom. And I pray that you would recognize that God wants to fill you with his Holy Spirit. And don't let man tell you what that's supposed to look like outside of looking more like the Father and being able to operate in something that's way outside. That's what grace is. Grace is God's Spirit working in your circumstances that does more than you can do on your own. And it's unmerited. It's undeserved. It happens because God is in us and working through us. Father, right now, we've got every, we've got new believers, somewhat mature believers, and mature believers in this house. But God, you've got a special plan and purpose for us to look like you. How we are your witnesses is we bear your image. And everything we do looks like you because of your great grace upon us. You said, Jesus, you wait. Wait for the power that conquers death and sin. Wait for the power that's going to come, that's going to make you witnesses to the world of the image of the Father. And you opened up the veil and you said, come into the holy place. Come into the secret place and come to me boldly to the, to the throne of grace where you'll find help in your time of need. That we can walk in the way, that we can fear the Lord, and that we can do all that he says. Help us to understand, God, that your requirements have not changed. You just gave us the power to do it by your Spirit. And so we say more, Lord. Help me understand the places I'm resisting. Help me understand the places that I, I just don't understand. I don't have revelation yet, God, but you want to give it to me.
Father, you say if we're baptized in your spirit, in your word, you say, God, we'll have a passion for your word and we'll have understanding like never before. I just want to say right now, if you don't have a passion for the word of God right now, most likely, I would say 9.9 out of 10, you need to be refilled with the Holy Spirit. Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to have a passion for the Word of God. It's just going to happen. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit and not have a passion for the Word. And so I would be crying out, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Get in your secret place and say, Lord, fill me. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your spirit. Just knowing your word's not enough, God. I've got to commit to your way. I've got to fear you. I've got to recognize that nothing can happen. I know that I can, I can move to the right or to the left. And you say, God, by your spirit, I can stay on the straight path. That you'll make my path straight. I don't have to struggle like I'm struggling. I don't have to let sin have its effect on me. I can, I can follow you through thick and thin and through the storm, God, and I can reflect your image by your Spirit. Father, I thank you for a group of people that I really believe and, and understand that they have a passion for this, God. Sometimes, God, we just begin to take things for granted. We get familiar with stuff, God, and it kind of messes us up. So this morning, God, I pray that you would new our hearts and that we would cry out to you and, and that your spirit would overflow us and that we would look more like you every day, that we would recognize, God, that a day without your word is dangerous. could make us, give us the tendency to drift. So I thank you, God. I thank you. I just, I, you know, I, I just see the Lord right now changing hearts. I just see the Lord giving us softer hearts. That, that resistance is fleeing right now. And there's peace and joy and hope. Father, thank you for that. Teach us this week, God. As we go, Lord, we gather together today so we'll have the strength and the power to, to walk in your way this week. And you say, you say gather together frequently, especially when you see it getting harder and harder in a world. So, Father, that's what we're doing. Renew our strength, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 Won't you hug one?